2: here is
3: your host, Welcome, listeners. I hope you're settled deep in your bunkers because there's a lot of crazy shit going on out there in the radiated wasteland. All of the creatures have gone wild and they've grown to epic proportions. Well, actually, it's just on this VHS tape I have here. And I've been watching a lot of movies about animals that have grown huge and decided to eat everyone. So we're going to talk about it here tonight on this episode of Astro Radio Z about giant creature features.
2: I tell you gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man as the dominant species of life on earth will be extinct within a year. United States, Stay in your homes, I repeat. Stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation
0: with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation, because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation, for born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust, were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them.
1: We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true, and there shall be destruction and darkness come up in creation, and the beasts shall reign over the earth.
0: Yes, the earth, the skies above and the seas below infested by swarms of nightmare creatures.
3: Now folks, tonight I have with me Mr. Mark the Movie Man, big fucking deal Glenn Bittner and Mr. Dustin Mills is back and we are going to talk about some oversized rodents and creatures tonight, folks. So Dustin, I know you were excited to get on this one. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I, if I got to be honest, I'm really tired. This week has been not only just to get this episode wrangled together, and it's not your fault. I'm not good. Don't feel that way. <laughs> it's also me. Um, we almost had to reschedule tonight because of uh, just work and shoots popping up and stuff like that. But man, the last week has just been a slog for me. Just lots of work, lots of running around. I'm exhausted. But I'm excited to do this show because this week was a fun episode. We got to watch a bunch of, well, okay, I don't want to say shitty movies, but but brainless movies that you have a lot of fun with. What about you, Dustin? How you been doing lately?
4: I'm good. I've been crazy, stupid, busy, but I, I mean, I can't complain. So I'd rather be busy than dead. So.
3: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So how's your new movie that you're you're making right now? How's that coming along?
4: Oh, which one?
3: (laughs) Oh, I I guess I put my foot in my mouth. I should have known better. (laughs) Uh, um,
4: We we wrapped uh, Principal Photography on Rip. That's the most recent one. And uh, I'm editing and getting B-roll and and things like that. It went really, really well. I think it's going to be really cool.
3: Rad, man. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Is there anything else you want to plug real quick before we move on? Anything? I know you always have 15 movies in, in the hatch, ready Uh, in in pre-production post-production or shooting so
4: i just finished the um the vfx work on space babes from outer space i made their ships fly and some other things and uh um i'm excited to see that one i'm hoping i can make the premiere uh which is in like 10 days we just wrapped the vfx and dropped them into the movie Um, (laughs) uh but it, I think it's going to be really cool. It's one of those movies where, you know, it, it looks way, way, way more expensive um, than it actually was. And it's always impressive when that happens. And Brian and Scott do a really, really good job. They're good at what they do. So I'm stoked. I'm
3: excited for them to do something that's beyond kind of the, the super grimy sex yeah. horror that they've been doing lately. So I'm, I'm excited to see this one.
4: Yeah, this is I mean, I know that this is something that's like close to to Brian's heart and uh, and he's excited to do it. And um, yeah, I know that they when they were gearing up to to fundraise it, they were worried it wouldn't do well because it's not horror. But um, I think I mean, I think people are craving this kind of stuff because there isn't you know, there isn't a lot um, to choose from when it comes to this like goofy ass like space sex comedies. You know what I mean? There, There's not a lot else out there. No, I mean the, this genre
3: has kind of been dead since Fred Olin Ray and those boys decided to stop making those sexy horror comedies back in the '90s.
4: This is very much like a like a Fred Olin Ray Jim Wynorski kind of thing. Maybe a little grosser than those, but I've only I've seen the rough cut of it, and it's really really fun. I think people are going to dig it.
3: Awesome, dude. That excites me because I'll tell you this, and I, I know I've talked about this on Mark, the movie man's podcast, the spoiler room, go subscribe on iTunes. I'm giving you a selfless shill here, Mark, you don't have <laughs> to do it, but I was not a fan of plank face.
4: You know what? I, I did effects on plank face and I still haven't seen it.
3: <laughs> it. It was just, it was just too, this is weird for me to say, I know this is me being a complete hypocrite, but it was just a little too gratuitous for me. Like it did. Uh, it, it felt like it lost the
4: thread. Yeah, I can. I, I mean, I understand that sentiment. There's a, there's a line, and then there's also the. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like, it's like, does the tone work? Because mm-hmm. some super gratuitous can work if the tone is right, but it's a, it's a weird balance.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think if the story would have been a little bit stronger, maybe I would have went down with it. But yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't. I liked the two previous films. Uh, found and what was it harvest lake oh harvest yeah. lake yeah. i liked those two well harvest lake somewhat <laughs> <laughs> somewhat i i thought visually it in in uh stylistically and tonally it was a cool a- experiment but Plankface just didn't do it for me so i'm excited that he's deciding to do some some 90s style sexy you know sci-fi titty movies i i can get down with that i love it yeah
4: Yeah, people are going to dig it for sure, and I think you'll like it. Cool.
3: Can't wait to see it. Mr. Glenn Bittner, I know last I had talked to you off air, you are making your slog through the final witchcraft movies for our upcoming episode. I can't believe you're still alive and you haven't slit your own wrists in a bathtub alone. How are you doing, Glenn?
5: Fine. I watched all three of them back to back to back.
3: Are you fucking kidding me? No, I watched them that night. (laughs) oh man listeners prepare yourself because our next episode is the witchcraft episode we've been threatening that we were going to do for it seems like three years now that's the next episode which to be honest we're going to be taking a week off here because scheduling conflicts really mixed up our recording schedule and whatnot mostly because drum roll please <laughs> or, or we'll just use the, the really masturbating Mark the Movie Man tongue drum roll <laughs> it sounds like somebody beating the back of their neck um, <laughs> Mr. Brian Curse Big Gay Horror Fan is going to come back on the Astro Radio Z for this special engagement I feel sorry for that man deciding to, to come back for th- these three pieces of shit but <laughs> <laughs> did you not warn him Oh, you know he's anxious. I know he is. I know. He's so anxious to to sit and watch more witchcraft movies. He liked them probably more than anybody, even Scott Davis. (laughs) That's a shock to me, but it's true. It's true. So never, never do what we did. Never do what we did. Never watch Witchcraft 14 through 16 back to back to back. You will want to kill yourself after Mm -hmm. it's done. Not to not to let the cat out of the bag about my thoughts about these movies, but <laughs> let's just say back to back to back equals suicide. And that's all I'll say. And last but not least, you heard the sultry tones of Mr. Mark the movie man. How you doing, sir? I'm doing mighty, mighty fine. I've got my not your mom's apple pie, so I'm good. Okay, what exactly is not your mom's apple pie? There's something it very is- creepy and sexual about that, Mark. <laughs>
6: it's from the guys who gave you not your father's root beer not your father's sausage from the guys who brought you not right. your father's sausage not exactly no it's not your mom's apple pie it's an apple beer uh that's got cinnamon vanilla uh in it and it's uh really freaking it doesn't taste like beer at all it it's like a almost like liquid apple pie. So
3: Oh my gosh. So I I don't know if we've ever discussed this on air Mark, but what
6: is your aversion to alcohol? I don't have an aversion now. This has 5.5 percent alcohol. <laughs> I'm not aversion to it. I have mixed drinks every so often. I have my Malibu and Mountain Dew. Leave me alone.
3: Gwen, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to retort about any of these comments that he's making right now?
5: I don't listen to what Mark says.
3: <laughs> oh, so let's move on from all of this. And we're going to take a short break here, folks. And when we come back, we're going to talk about big animals eating people. So uh stick around. Stop hitting with
0: the monster, man. It was a bad plan, but I had to get to town. Unbidden, but the way I found it was a hand. Power got illuminated, stopped bitchin' with the monster man, it was a bad plan, but I had to get to town, unbidden, but the way I found it was a hand came down, power got illuminated, that's why I got my mind in my own, that's why. With a monster man It was a bad plan
3: As always, on these shows, I ask all of my guests to bring in one movie on the topic we're going to talk about tonight, which is Giant Creature Features. And um, these boys didn't disappoint me tonight. We're going to have a fun discussion because we brought you, you know, for the most part, I think when people hear stuff like Giant Creature Features, immediately they think of King Kong. They think of Godzilla. um, They think of these huge kaiju movies. And I know... Dustin, we originally, when we were talking off air about what movies we're going to bring in, you originally wanted to bring in a kaiju movie to talk about. What was the movie you were thinking about bringing in uh, for this episode?
4: uh, I was going to bring it, I was going to bring up uh, Dimogen. Oh, that's a great one. It's really, really good. And I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it or aren't aware of it. And uh, so that, but I mean, I love any kind of creature feature. So it doesn't matter if it's giant in Japanese or giant and american and ripping off jaws whatever it is i just you know i want to watch it so (laughs) what about this type of film do you really enjoy i just love monsters like if i mean things biting people and breaking things is just really really satisfying to watch it i think for me it's always
3: the fact that these are the type of movies you turn your brain off to yeah, they're, they're not super. Well, they they're filmed and done usually pretty straight faced unless you're watching a parody style uh, movie of of uh, this type. But for the most part, it's always this super serious story where all of a sudden this huge, ridiculous rubber monster is going around eating people. And there's something that that just warms my cockles. <laughs>
6: about, about, about that whole thing mark what is it about the giant creature features you love i just love big monsters i'm kind of like dust i i just dig it you're right there is a little bit of sense sinc- there, there is more sincerity to them than you would expect from them but it's just fun watching big creatures i mean you know uh, i've been a fan ever since uh, i used to watch the big creature uh, features whenever they do they have it on Shock Theater on Channel 18 in Milwaukee, uh, hosted by a, a horror Toulouse host, neck. huh? Toulouse neck. Toulouse neck, Yeah, he used to show them occasionally on there, like the you know tr- giant tarantula and and them and I mean, I I I loved them, and then Godzilla of course, and and just they're fun. They're you're right they're pure escapism because they're so over the top as far as you know big creatures in that that you can just sit back and enjoy it and, and see it you know break a lot of shit <laughs> well on top of the fact that when these type
3: of movies came around the special effects weren't as sophisticated you either went to the route of a ray harry king kong style with stop motion animation. Or it was usually forced perspective uh, photography with real creatures superimposed over Mm. shots of people running away, which never looked quite right. So there was something inherently off about it, which made them even more fun. Um, Glenn, I know originally when we talked, you goofed about bringing in Night of the (laughs) the Lepus.
5: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) starring Roscoe P. Coltrane
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) was it where did your love for this kind of movie start was it kind of back in the the horror host days where you know a lot of these movies were public domain so they showed them
5: a lot on on these shitty horror host shows that was a little bit of it the big thing that got me stuck on it was um growing up my dad worked second shift so he wouldn't get home till like midnight and occasionally when i was like five and six years old occasionally on a friday night my mom would let me stay up and I would stay up for my dad. And pretty much the only thing on at midnight on, um, you know, in, in the pre cable days was either John Wayne movies or monster movies. That's pretty much all it was. Um, and I got hooked on Gamera and Godzilla mm. uh, from those late nights with my dad. And then also, it was typical for the, yeah, the Saturday mornings when I was a little older, it was always that stuff on, on uh, shock theater Absolutely. I think it.
3: every one of us, if we were to go through our collections, probably have the giant Gila monster on five different collections. <laughs> I'm guessing. Easily. <laughs> it's just these types of movies where we're always really cheap to make. And uh, they got put out there and put into public domain, and you saw them on Saturday nights or Saturday afternoons or just on television growing up. I saw so much of this stuff. And it's hard as a kid to not kind of lose yourself to these really goofy, silly monsters. Now, the special effects are getting much better. Like one of my favorites, uh, a recent giant creature features was rogue did you any of you guys see that one
4: oh, rogue it was so good <laughs> like i love that one
3: yeah it, well greg mclean for the most part makes really great movies other than mark claims uh darkness was terrible but i haven't seen that movie yet or the darkness or what was it mark oh the kevin bacon movie yes yes
6: yeah, The Darkness, I think it was called, if I remember correctly. I tried to block that film from my brain. That one just didn't sit with me. But otherwise, yeah, I usually like it. But yeah, The Darkness is what it was
4: called. What else has he done? He's done Wolf Creek and he's oh. done Rogue. That mm-hmm. guy. Man, I yeah, man. I forgot Rogue existed until you brought it up. But that movie, that's one that nobody ever talks about, but it's a really damn good um is it a crocodile or an alligator?
3: It's one of... The, I, I think it's an alligator. It is yeah. a crocodile. Okay. It's a huge crocodile. Tomato, yeah. tomato, Mark the Movie Man. I know.
6: Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just was saying it's...
3: Just uh,
4: just saying. I want to watch that now. It's so good.
3: It is. It, well, it's it's good because it uh, is an actual legitimate horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's not played for laughs. The special effects look great. Uh, mostly because you don't see the croc all the time. When you see him, it's effectively shot and rendered within well, the scenes.
4: There's that one crazy shot where they're they're standing up on the beach and they're like having a conversation or an argument or something, and they look back and they're seeing the end of an attack. Like mm-hmm like the movie surprises you with a guy getting like arm or leg twisted off. And you're like, what the fuck? Cause you're, you're used to seeing like more than the characters see, but he literally just shows you what they see. And it's the very end of him being dismembered. I think that's a great way to go
3: about a lot of effect shots, to be honest. Yeah. is, is to not linger on them to, to make it like, what was the, I'm trying to think of what the um, found footage movie that I had just watched. documentary on um where they were discussing how filming things if a a monster were to attack they wouldn't sit there and continue to film it they would run the fuck away (laughs) you wouldn't necessarily linger on the monsters and rogue was kind of like that too where it's just like it's manic and these people aren't going to stick around with this it was like what a 50 foot croc or something like that it was ridiculous So I think in general, for these types of films, even though we want to see the monsters, I know this is a big complaint I have about the American Godzilla, how they fucking cut away every single time the guy's about to kick some ass.
4: Oh, it's for the 2014
3: one? Oh, Jesus. Let's let's forget about that that ever fucking happened. Um, But yeah, these movies, I think in general, especially the cheaper ones, it's best to always... Kind of leave more up to the imagination. Now, speaking of crocodile movies, we're going to go over to Dustin because I, I know he brought in one that's similar. Jo- Dustin, what was the movie you wanted to bring in tonight to talk about?
4: From, I believe, 1980 Alligator starring Robert Forrester and Henry Silva.: Yes: and-
3: <laughs> Yes. Oh, when Henry Silva showed up in this motherfucker, I, I jumped out of my seat, I put my arms up in the air, and I said, we have fucking arrived, people. Astral Radio Z listeners know my love, my undying love for Henry Silva. Undying love for that man. I mean, there's even a point in this movie where he breaks kayfabe and laughs at himself because his lines are so goddamn ridiculous. And it's goddamn <laughs>
2: feet beneath the streets. It's 36 feet long. It weighs over 2,000 pounds. And it's about to break out. We're looking at the one who saw it. And it was big.
1: You said it was dark. Now, perhaps you were mistaken.
0: Half that
2: size would starve in a week. Once it escaped, there was no way to stop it. It could be anywhere. Ready to attack at any moment.
1: I've seen what this animal can do. You'd better take all the help you can get.
2: At first, no one believed it. No one will forget.
1: Alligator.
4: So, alligator is someone decided to make Jaws, but set it in inner city New York, and have uh, Brody be fucking Hooper, and for Quint to be a schmuck is basically <laughs> what Alligator is. And I, in in my humble opinion. It is the best uh, Jaws ripoff esque movie um, with uh, Grizzly coming in a close second. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Grizzly is something else. Oh, grizzly.
3: <laughs> something grizzly. else.
4: The Bear and Grizzly acts like a serial killer.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know a dude that loves Grizzly to death. Like I I've never met anybody that is so hard about that fucking movie. Like this dude that I know, I didn't know anyone could be that hard about Grizzly, but it, there's weirdos everywhere. Dude. <laughs> so let's go ahead and let's talk about alligator a little bit. Um, I think the, the main thing that, that sticks out about this movie is the cast.
4: Yes. It's got a really, really good cat. And I was, thinking about this as i was watching it and um as of recording this i I, you know i feel similarly about um michael parks who just passed away um robert forster is one of those actors that never got his proper shriv like I, i don't think he was ever appreciated on the level he should have been he he's he he was always at least to me he was always better than the movies he was in yep uh, I don't think he
3: really got the respect he deserved until he was in Jackie Brown. Then for a hot minute, he, he was, you know, the it man, but then he kind of faded away again.
4: And then he was in D war. Oh, 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 (laughs) we've killed Mark the movie man. Thanks. (laughs) Well, it had plenty of giant monsters. Um, Alligator, uh, So I I didn't get to watch it in its entirety today, but I've watched it a ton. So it's, you know, I remember a lot about it. Um, The thing that stuck out to me as I was watching today, though, is how the movie is simultaneously so mean. But at the same time, all of the characters are so well-rounded. Like, it's like it has this really optimistic view about people, because every character in the movie is, like, interesting and colorful and and. And stuff, but then they're like, okay, now let's kill a kid. Now let's <laughs> now let's
3: for this motherfucker.
4: Now let's twist the leg off this police officer who did nothing wrong. Now let's kill everyone at this wedding reception. It's it's really, really mean and horrific when it comes to the violence. Um, but it also has like a lighter sort of sense of humor and a very up with people attitude when it comes to the writing of the characters. It's weird. It's a really it has a really strange tone and I don't know if they were just trying to, to make a contrast so that the, the horror stuff seemed more horrific but um, yeah it's, it's 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 weird
3: they just weird. wrote some good characters I think that's all the characters feel legit I mean legit in that kind of like 80s cop procedural kind of way yeah. where they felt familiar they felt uh, grounded uh, the female scientist I thought played that role perfectly where she wasn't just there to provide exposition and give you the background on the alligator itself, but she did so in a way that felt genuine to, to being a scientist where she was – she wasn't going to all of a sudden just jump in, jump in like movies where there are werewolves where all of a sudden there's an expert going – well, yes, of course it's a werewolf. Werewolves, the blah, 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 She actually didn't believe what was going on because, well, that's not what an alligator does. So I kind of liked her character. But the cast itself, you had mentioned Robert Forrester, who has a great line where halfway through the movie, he's like, Go out there, I'm going to find that alligator and.
4: I'm going to kick his ass. I yeah. love that line. Yeah. Who plays the chief? Because the chief is hilarious to me, too. Michael sound- Gazzo from Godfather 2. He sounds like he wakes up and just eats a bowl of cigar butts in the morning and <clears throat> and then carries on about his day, like washes them down with battery acid and then goes around gurgling at people like his his voice. The tenor of his voice is so intense and weird. Dude, I could listen to that guy read a phone book. <laughs>
3: i i i would sit there and i love him every time he pops up in a movie i just love him and he's got to be one of my favorite hands down favorite angry police captains ever oh it's
4: it's perfect
3: at it he's he's so amazing and then of course we had talked before we get there, one of my favorite lines from Michael Gazzo is when they're looking for this alligator and people are are just looking in bushes and he goes, "Damn it! He's not hiding in the bushes." <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, there there's a lot of stuff like that where the um that, that you know, you're talking about the writing how the characters feel real and there's a lot of them reacting to things in a real you know, in a realistic way that the, um, the crazy guy who comes into the, um, uh, the police department with the bomb, the supposed bomb strapped yeah. to his face. And the way they handle him and the way they talk to him felt so natural and so real. And um, I love that the characters have interactions and conversations that don't have to do with the plot, but they never feel like they're like, you know, shoehorned in there. It just feels like how those characters talk.
3: I agree. Yeah. There's, there's some great stuff. It just feels like a real world. I mean, a real world for a schmaltzy B level uh, creature feature. (laughs) Let's not get too over the top about this. I mean, it is a schmaltzy creature feature, but really for what it is, it's written well beyond what it should be. And uh, of course, Henry Silva steals the whole motherfucking show of this goddamn movie he shows up as the alligator hunter and gives one of the greatest interviews on TV, probably ever fake TV, of course, within the movie where he, he illustrates to this reporter, the sounds that the alligator makes. And it sounds (laughs) like he's, he's attempting to fuck an animal. It is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen.
4: He's like, he makes this weird sound. He's like, that's the sound of a juvenile in distress. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so bizarre.
3: Oh my gosh. Mark, what
6: what do you think about alligator? It's been a long time since I've watched it, but I remember when I watched it. Yeah. I, I got a kick out of it. I mean, I'm a big jaws fan. So the fact that it's, it's jaws with an alligator in the sewers and it's got that great, you know, uh, 80s theme too because uh you know why the alligator grew big you know was because of the laboratory animals with growth hormones right that, uh, you know it ate and so that caused it to grow big because I remember being a kid too in the 80s how it was big about oh alligators being flushed in the sewer or you know snakes or whatever they're gonna grow huge down in the sewer because of all the crap down there and uh, so, yeah, you know, it, it played to that. And Robert Forrester, yeah, I agree. He he doesn't get his due uh, except for when he had Jackie Brown. But I always thought he was a great actor and made the most of his role, even when he is in films like D-War. Uh, <laughs> he still puts his all into it. So yeah, he's, kind
4: and, of like, he's kind of like Eric Roberts in that way, where I don't think he ever really cares if he's in a shitty movie. But like he like, <laughs> He still tries to do a good job.
3: Mm-hmm. Same yeah. with I always thought uh, Christopher Lee did that as well. Oh you know? yeah, I would. Yeah, absolutely. He tried at least, even in Howling Two. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Glenn might uh, refute me on this one, but what are your thoughts on uh, Alligator, Glenn?
5: Um. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember watching it. When it when it you know, when I was a kid, it was on TV. And i remember getting a kick out of it. And I actually remember we did a thing with my G.I. Joe figures, uh, basically playing out Alligator the movie. So it had <laughs> it had that effect on me. So um but and I I love looking back now, I, I love the science of the as Mark brought up, the whole, you know, it got that big from eating, you know, animals with those with the hormones. Yeah, animals, it was that's 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 actual science i mean a lot of people yeah. the younger people out there might not remember you know before we started using growth hormones and cows and stuff like that that we eat now i mean back in the in the 70s i mean humans were only like a foot tall um, <laughs> we We're all so, so since then yeah we were basically hobbits we were like half hobbits and you know since then i mean you know i mean i was i was like 11 inches tall in 1977 and now i'm like you know i'm
4: like six two almost so amazing it's amazing have you guys seen uh the bay the found footage movie the bay i've
3: always wanted to see that movie. i've heard that it that it's really crazy
4: it's actually it's actually really good but um it has a very similar reasoning for the creatures as uh alligator In, in the bay it's because um they have uh, chickens that they're they're basically pissing into early maturity with hormones, and then the the in steroids, and then the chicken shit is running off into the water, and it's mutating the wildlife in the water. And in alligator, they're trying to get um, uh, cows to mature quicker so they can have bigger cows faster. And they're testing cows. on dogs, and then they throw the dead dogs in the sewer And the um, alligator, which we have to say is in the sewer because it got flushed down there. It was a yes. pet- and it got flushed down. It's been eating the dogs that have the like hormones in them. Just, just and, like uh,
5: snakehead, snakehead terror.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Or Frankenfish, which is based on snakehead terror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk
5: about the alligator
3: itself in this flick. If there's anything that would point you in the direction of this being pure schlock, it's got to be the alligator.
4: <laughs> What's what great about it is they like, when it comes to the special effects, they really fucking kitchen and synced it yeah like I it's it's all barring stop motion i don't think there's any stop motion it's everything it's a giant puppet it's a smaller puppet it's an actual alligator on a miniature set like they they pretty much did everything to to just depending on the shot and there's that great shot where um uh, i can't remember whether it's another character if it's robert Forster. they look out the window. And you just see it plodding up down the street below, and it's a it's a real alligator on a miniature set, just like <laughs> me through the, through the street next to like toy cars and a fire hydrant and stuff. I love that so much. It's it's a, one of my favorite shots. It's got
3: to be the epic uh, shot where it busts out of the sewer onto the yeah. sidewalk. That's so good. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. You have, you're have in the middle of – is this – I forget. Is this in New York? Yeah. Okay, so all these people hanging out in the middle of New York, kids, like these gang members and all this stuff. And all of a sudden this huge alligator just busts out of the sidewalk and they just stand there gawking oh, at it.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Police car. And and bites the policeman's leg off, and then there's that kid who thinks he's going to fight it with a baseball bat. Do you remember the part when Henry Silva like hires like three like street kids to like have his back with the alligator, and then the alligator fucking bursts out of the garbage and eats him, and they just leave him there.
3: Like, <laughs> 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 that seems to be what happens with everybody. Like, yeah. poor Robert Forrester. He, his big thing is he's losing every single partner he ever has gets killed sure. in some way. I would never want to be Robert Forrester's partner in this movie whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But every time somebody's uh, around where the alligator is, once the alligator gets like within three feet of them, everybody else leaves and leaves that person there. It's <laughs> like, ah, see you later. Fuck <laughs> <it." laughs> you. Really? Eh, we had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I got, I got to agree. I think alligator is a super fun movie. I I was so glad when we uh, decided to do it on this show and revisiting it today, I was, it put a grin, a huge grin on my face. It's just a fun, turn your brain off and, and just, you know, escape kind of movie. So I give a huge thumbs up on it.
4: It is, but um, by the same token, it's, It's way better written and acted than it has any right to be.
3: 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on. Mr. Mark, the movie man, what was it you decided to bring in tonight? Well,
6: uh, we discussed it, and there was a couple of words going to bring in. And we settled on this one, and I realized, yeah, this is very appropriate. And we're talking about from 1982, Q.
2: For 10 centuries, it has waited to be awakened, to be worshipped again like a god, to fill the skies, to cast its shadow over the earth, to release its fury. Today in New York City... The Winged Serpent Rises The Winged Serpent Rules The Winged Serpent David Carradine This thing has been prayed back into existence Michael Moriarty It was big and there was something in it that looked like an egg But it couldn't have been an egg (laughs) There aren't any eggs
1: (laughs) No egg that big
2: Richard Roundtree What I want to know is How the hell is this tie-in with the murders and the mutilations? Candy Clark.
0: What are you going to do if someone dies tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day? Well, I'm not
2: going to think about it. You know, it won't be my fault. It'll be theirs if they don't give me what I want. Money. One million dollars in cash tax-free. They are searching. Looking good. Discovering. (laughs) Believing preparing for the battle of a thousand years boat tracer ammunition want to see the trajectory get those guys out of the basket okay everybody hold their positions everybody stay right where you are all right don't move (laughs) Against the fantastic flying forces of a lost
0: age. You like saying a prayer?
2: Man against the winged serpent. Today in New York City, the winged serpent rules. The legend
6: has come alive. Yes. Q, the giant uh, quox. uh, I can't even pronounce it. Thank you. Uh, What, what the BFD said, (laughs) basically running amok in New York. Uh, It's kind of a part police procedural part monster film. And it's just, it takes place in New York, just like an alligator. And we basically have the detectives shepherd who I believe uh, that's played by David Carradine and uh, his partner, uh, Powell, who's played by Richard Roundtree. Fuck it, Shaft, people. Fuck it, Shaft. shaft. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this cast is amazing. Uh, they work on a bizarre case of Aztec murders. And while they're working on that, there's people being attacked by a gigantic uh, bird creature. Uh, and then we have the story of a small-time crook who runs across the layer of the bird creature. And, yeah, it goes from there to well, or the crook. Tries to uh, cash in on finding uh, the lair of the bird creature and David Carradine, Richard roundtree Michael Moriarty. Who I love this because the director who did this would go on to do the stuff,
3: which, yep, is along my- with a number of other classic films oh like the Black Caesar. He did Hell Up in Harlem. He did God Told Me To It's Alive, the stuff. Just Larry Cohen is a huge genre director. And anybody that listens to this show should be very familiar
6: with his work. Yeah, because I I love the stuff. Stuff is one of my all time favorite movies. And it's got Michael Moriarty in it. And uh, this film also has Candy Clark, which has a link to Dustin's film because Candy Clark was in Cat's Eye with the director uh, of Cat's Eye, who also did Alligator so (laughs) but uh yeah this 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 is freaking this is just cast alone are making the most of this crazy film again here too you kind of have now it's a it's a made-up creature and it's right on the poster so you don't really have a, a live creature like alligator but you have a mixture of stop motion you have a mixture of people in front of a projection screen you've got uh, you know, miniatures, you got uh, just a, a wild range of things that they do to bring Q to life and add David Carradine in here, who who is a uh, detective paired with Richard Roundtree. You can't go wrong with that pairing. Uh, this this film is just it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, Moriarty making the most of it as as the thief Turned, uh, you know, the con man and, and the guy who's got the uh, uh, layer of the of Q. It just yeah, this this has some great elements into it, featuring, of course, the Chrysler building uh, this time instead of the Empire State Building because they wanted to be different. Maybe mm. I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's fun, especially for what they did on it, which back then is a million two. I think they made uh, on it uh, or they uh, made it for. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's bonkers. It's a fucking bonkers movie, because for the most part, it isn't a monster movie. No, it, it's a police procedure where they're hunting down the guy who's making sacrifices to an Aztec god, basically. Uh, cult murders, if I remember. And uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> It is bonkers. You, you got a great shot in here of a guy who gets picked out of the, uh, swimming pool. And I think that's David Carradine's brother. Is it Bruce Carradine? Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure if he, he was the one there that gets picked up by the giant claw that they have lift him up out of the swimming pool or not. But, uh, yeah it's it, with an epic final battle between him and david carradine and nypd swat with uh machine guns and such but of course there's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end as well so which never gets resolved which which never gets resolved no you know you know they need to remake this film not just kidding. <laughs> It would be interesting. I don't
3: know. No, it would no, it, it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it it's far too weird. Like the movie yeah. it in typical Larry Cohen fashion, it genre jumps
6: all over mm-hmm. the place. Yeah. And, and it's cool though, to see Candy Clark in here because she's been in so much as well. So it's if anything for this cast alone, it makes it worth a watch similar to alligator. It's, it's impressive who they have in this film. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. any movie that has richard roundtree in it on balls deep mm-hmm. you can you can rest assured i have my popcorn i have my beers you better not fucking talk to me because i'm watching this goddamn motherfucker shafts in it so uh glenn what do you think about q the winged serpent
5: uh i remember seeing this i believe uh jock theater uh-huh um yeah it's uh interesting um I mean I mean for what it was at the time, I mean man, that uh, that cue was that was that was special effects. <laughs> it was special something. It was special something, yeah. I mean, it's, that- it's like uh I don't know, it's like it's like they ran the money and someone said, Hey, my kid made something for show and tell. How old is she? She's three. <laughs> 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 It's, it's like a horse ate a bird and then crapped it out. That's what they <laughs> used.
6: Hey, it gets a total of, I think, seven minutes of screen time. <laughs>
3: yeah. Which is more than Godzilla got in his own movie in 2014. Yeah.
5: Seven minutes of screen time from 30 some years ago. I still remember exactly how the fucking thing looks. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's, 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 I'll give it that. It is memorable. Yes. It is very memorable.
3: Dustin, what do you think of the creature in this flick?
4: Oh, I mean, I I, I love it and I love the movie. It's it's my kind of ridiculousness. And uh the thing that always stuck out with me for Q like special effects wise is uh when they went when they needed him to fly, I guess because it you know, back in the day they couldn't remove a rod digitally and to do the stop motion they couldn't have him on wires, they stuck him to a piece of glass. And if you, to make him look like he was floating in front of the rear projection. And if you look, you can see his reflection in almost every shot he's flying in the, in the glass that he's stuck to. And uh, um, and I always remember the poor window washer gets, <laughs> gets annihilated. I don't know, I dig that movie, I dig that kind of stuff a lot. And, uh, you know, you guys were talking about a remake and if you remade it and it, you know, they'd go with a CGI monster, it would lose every ounce of its charm, I think. Mm-hmm. And it would, another another you know dumb modern monster movie yeah i that's my
3: thing with all this stuff too is even though i think and we're going to keep bringing this up because how can't we um i think godzilla in the american godzilla is amazing looking i think that the design and the way that it moves it it just it was mind-blowing that you only got to see him for like fucking five minutes of that whole entire fucking movie. Um, But it's still, you lose something. There's something tangible that's lost when it's not somebody in a suit or stop motion animation. I, the new Kong movie that came out and I know Mark will probably want to jump down my throat about this. Nope. As cool as, as the action scenes were, Everything was CG in that movie. There was nothing practical about it, and there was something about King Kong that always that that was so charming it was because it was either stop motion or it was a robot or it was someone in a suit. I I loved that stuff, and unfortunately, it's just gone now. Yeah. And did any of you see Shin Godzilla at all? Yes. Yep what a fucking amazing movie all cg but they made it look
4: like a dude in a suit yeah um there's a couple shots of an animatronic um in a close-up but everything else is and i thought it was a guy in a suit when the trailer came out and then it was revealed to me that it wasn't and i guess they, they kind they took one of the suit actors who had um, like done Godzilla before I think or something and they and they motion captured him so that it would look correct
3: that's and, awesome
4: yeah and it, it made a lot of sense and Shin Godzilla had something that Kong didn't have and it what in this bugged me about Kong is that in Kong the camera moved like a video game camera mm-hmm. It would just rotate at 400 miles per hour around this giant monkey whenever it wanted to and that bugged me because what made Shin Godzilla feel real is that the camera only did what a camera could do. And it acted like a cameraman was actually operating it.
3: Yeah. Even though the vast majority of it,
4: even the cityscapes were all CG. They had um, there was like a virtual camera and it was captured in VR or motion capture or something like that, Um, which is technology that's been around for a while. But they used it really, really effectively in that. Yeah,
3: that Shin Godzilla of any of these movies, now that we're way off track, is probably <laughs> the best. I mean, my my daughter, when I showed her the design of, of Godzilla, I at work, I took her to work for, you know, take kids to work day. And on my computer, my edit station at work, I have Shin Godzilla as my backdrop. And it's that close up shot of uh, Godzilla's head with all of the barbed teeth. And the and the googly eye that mm-hmm. it has, and my daughter's like, she calls it raisin Godzilla. <laughs> For some reason, she thinks it. Oh, it's raisin Godzilla with the googly eye. <laughs> she, she's convinced they just put a googly eye on it. They it's it's not anything else. But that's what's great about it is with all of the amazing texture work and. Um, Animation that went into that, and artistry that went into that, they still made it goofy, looking like a dude in a suit. and there to me, when something is tangible and feels real, that will be remembered far more than than like for me, Kong all of that stuff is so forgettable, yeah to me because it just it does feel like a video game, and there's that's why all these years later. And yes, folks, I am coming back to, to cue the winged serpent here. Um, we remember Q because there's something odd in and in, um, surreal about that creature design that nowadays, I think you're totally right, Dustin. If it would be remade, it would be this slick
4: like rain of fire dragon CGI thing. Overly textured and it would move too much and it would move like it doesn't weigh anything. And, um, it would just, I mean, it would probably look awesome, but it wouldn't have the charm. And I think tangibility is like you said, that's a really good way of putting it. Like as fake as any of that stuff looks, or like, I've been watching those old, old Doug McClure, uh, like dinosaur movies Mm -hmm. and as cheap as all that is the hand puppets and guys in suits, there's always that sense that I could, that it exists somewhere and I could touch it. And, and that, that, There's something special about that.
3: I agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Mark, what do you think about all of this in terms of uh, Q, the winged serpent?
4: Oh,
6: I know I'm all for practical and I love the design. And I totally agree that if it was remade, they would put it with like, uh, you know, a spine and and all these things rather than making it serpent like and smooth, you know, the way they designed it here. So, uh, you know, modern day and. No, and don't get me wrong, I loved Kong, but I fully will say that uh, I enjoy Practical more, and Shin Godzilla surprises me as well, you know, the way they made it look in that. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's still one of those things, though, where I will always remember these earlier films that have these actual, you know, the, the, the solid models that they had, and e- even if when, you know, Q is munching a guy out of a... Uh, Uh, you know, window wash your cart and the guy kind of stretches a little before he gets eaten. You know, you you remember stuff like that. Uh, But yeah, Dustin's right. It it has some tangible, you know, it has weight to it. Uh, One of my all-time favorite movies is Clash of the Titans. Uh, You know, Ray Harryhausen, the, the original. And when they did the remake, it was just CGI fest. And it just didn't, the creatures in there just did not have that same tangible feel that that you know the original had and mm-hmm. so it is kind of lost in most cgi it shouldn't godzilla being an exception so yeah q uh, i love the design of the creature it feels tangible even when they're doing the goofy uh you know claymation type part of it you know it, it gets riddled with bullets and you got the little the blood spots all over it you know i love all of that it, it, it does have some extra charm because of that
3: yeah, I don't want to to seem like i'm I'm having a get off of my lawn moment about CGI because I think CGI, when done well, is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. It's its like when we were kids, we would have never thought we'd be seeing the visuals that we see now. i I think there is true artistry in CG when it's done correctly. But now that we can do anything, And it's become the norm to have things be so cartoonish with the CGI and and video gamey with the CGI. It becomes almost like if you watch a hyper gore movie that just gore from frame one to the end. By the end of it, you kind of are desensitized and you lose all of the impact of it. And that's how I felt about Kong is that – it That first scene I thought was pure trash, but you have that amazing sequence where, you know, they they get to Skull Island, the army and the helicopters and Kong is destroying them. And it, it's it's a crazy ass sequence. And then it just doesn't stop. And by the end of it, I was just so kind of like beaten over the head with it
6: that I, I forgot about it. You, and I'm-
3: nothing stuck out
6: to me. And and I'm going to get blasted for it, I know. And I'm preparing myself now. I understand. Blasted but in the face. I'm going to get blasted in the face. But still, for me, the Hulk does not look right. He looks right designed wise Still see it animated. I it's For, you know, in your superhero films, and, and I look at the Hulk and I just, I, I see the CGI way too much with him i'm still not buying in his character as you know i give me lou ferrigal back as muscle guy i don't know uh isn't but, it know, funny how how hulk
3: feels totally fake yet when we see uh, rocket raccoon
6: we buy into it yeah, yeah It and i think it's partly because of of texture and maybe there's a little bit of uncanny valley going on i'm not sure but you see hulk and you just think fake but Rocket Raccoon, you you completely forget. No, that's just a CGI creature. That's not. He's not actually there. But and I'm not sure if it's just you know the, the design of the character, the fact he's got fur, so you, you don't have you know translucent skin in that. Uh, I'm not as well versed in that as I, I'm sure you you gentlemen are. But for me, it's just I. I anytime they do any type of CGI human. Uh, it, it's hard to buy into it, you know, or human-like creature because it just, it, it looks CGI. I mean, you look at it and go, oh, CGI, you, you know, and it, it takes your brain out just a little bit. I still enjoy the character. I still enjoy the performance and everything, but like in that Thor trailer, you look at that and you're just like CGI galore and some of it looks great and then they get to kind of Hulk and you're like, ah, he still looks like from an animated film. <laughs>
3: he looks like garbage.
6: Let's be honest, he looks like
3: garbage. Yeah.
4: Do you guys think that if they took an alternate route, say I mean So I kind of had this conversation with somebody when the when the Power Rangers trailers were coming out, okay? And they revealed what the Power Rangers look like now, and they look like you know, every modern superhero armored kind of thing, like they look kind of Iron Man, right? Mm -hmm. um you know people i know who are fans were thrown a fit and i'm like they can't make a movie for a mainstream audience where the heroes wear spandex (laughs) (laughs) they they can't people would reject it so do you think if they took a different route with the hulk like if they did get a they got what if they got the guy who plays the mountain or is is the actor called the mountain i can't remember i don't watch game of thrones but the big guy from game of thrones Um, and they painted him green and he was the Hulk, would people be okay with it? Or if they made an animatronic Hulk for the close-ups, and only did CGI when he did something the animatronic couldn't do, would people buy it or would it, would they think it looks fake? I think it's a catch 22, man. I just think that's
3: one of those characters that (sighs) we still aren't there yet. It's, it's too, it's too tough. We can't go full Lou Ferrigno. Because people would laugh that out of the theater. And so far, because I just rewatched The Incredible Hulk, the um, Edward Mm -hmm. Norton one. And it still looks it looks like garbage. It didn't it doesn't hold up. And I don't think it, it at times in the Avengers movies, he looks okay, But when you get up close, it looks like a cartoon and it just doesn't work. And I don't know what the solution is there.
6: I well, you know, I it goes back to I had this discussion a while back with someone that I the thing is with the comic book films some I think people don't realize that just some things you your brain will buy on printed paper and accept more than if you see it in a real life setting. For me yeah. it was like Green Lantern, okay? I, I now regardless of how the film was written in that it surprised me, they were going to do that film as a live action because some of the stuff that green lantern does in the comics, like make a green tank or great, make a green fist you buy because you're, you you buy into it because it's on a printed comic book. You've got it. But Mm -hmm. when you take that same thing and put it in a real life setting, it looks hokey as shit.
3: You know, there was some stuff in that movie I, I kind oh, of liked. some me too. Some of the stuff they, they did w- was true to the book, but also c- looked kind of cool. But I agree with you totally.
6: You know, it, and it's just one of those things where there's certain characters that no matter what you're going to do right now, the way the technology and everything is, it's just not going to translate well from, from paper to live action. It, it's just not. And it's no fault of anyone. It's just that's the way that is in the way the brains work I think yeah I, I agree
3: completely now speaking of humongous CGI spectacles we're going to move over to Glenn Bittner who brought in a movie that is a giant creature feature that features mostly CGI creatures Glenn what is the movie you're bringing to my audience today?
5: Nenna Lepus, 2 no <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch are so, bunny <laughs> i i am bringing troll hunter
1: no! <laughs> uh.
5: I know yes. we've talked about other movies, you know, where they, you guys talked about, you know, how, the amazing cast, and I mean, this one, I mean, man, you've got Thomas Elf Larson, you've got Emilia Berg-Gomas, you've got Hans Morton Hansen, I mean, commute you near him? I mean, talk about Oscars. Big, big names in this. Um, but no, uh, Troll Hunter, yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Uh, I love this one because I've been fascinated by uh, mythology my, my whole life, as long as I can remember I've been into mythology, and... And trolls, um, particularly uh, in in Norse and Scandinavian mythology. um, And this movie actually kind of follows, like, that there really are trolls. Um, And it's kind of like the government kind of like, you know, has them on, like, preserves where they protect them. Because, of course, people would freak out if they knew there were these giant monsters that ate people. I mean, if you're a Christian, that is. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's, I I absolutely loved it. I, I mean, for something coming out of uh, out of Europe, out of, out of Norway, it's nothing like what I expected as far as, as the production values. I mean, I think they do a pretty darn good job um, with the actual trolls. I mean, you don't see them a lot. And I mean, there's a little bit where it's, yeah, you can tell it's CG, particularly one one in particular scene where the dude is like wearing his armored suit and he goes up against a troll. But I think for probably the budget they were working with, you know, it was seven years ago too. I mean, I think they do a really good job. And a lot of it is, yes, you see the trolls, but a lot of it is, is more of the stuff you don't see. I mean, it's one of my favorite, it's my favorite scene in this movie, and it's one of my favorite scenes in a horror, I guess you could kind of call this kind of, you know, creature horror or whatever. whatever, um, is where they eat a dude. And typical, you know, how, how most films would do it, you know, especially today where it's the hey, how much gore can we show? You know, they'd show the guy being ripped apart and and eaten. And uh, and this one, you don't see any of it. It's pitch black. And all you hear is the crunching of bones. And it's amazing. So, yeah, they have that great CG, but they also know how to do the the stuff when, you know, it's it's also what's not seen that's also really good, too. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, you know, in Godzilla, where (laughs) they left all the good stuff not seen. Yeah. Without any, any inclinations or you just had to simply imagine. They didn't even give you like sounds. It just, imagine what, what Godzilla is doing right now. <laughs> oh, <I don't> <laughs>
3: yeah. oh it's, Godzilla's about to fight. Let's close the door. Let's go in a building and then let's watch the aftermath on TV.
5: Yeah. Now, you know, people don't want to see that. They want to see more emo Marine.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think if anything, uh, Troll Hunter It thrives on the fact that it world builds something that is entirely believable out of something completely ridiculous. And um, when I first saw this back in 2010, when this came out, the found footage aspect of this film, which is what this film is. It's a found footage film. um, Didn't sell me like all of the troll stuff is fantastic. There's tension anytime they go out at night and they're attempting to help this uh, troll hunter that this uh, footage crew has stumbled upon and decided to follow around uh, for a movie that they're shooting. Uh, those sequences are amazing because there's tension, there's a lot of misdirection, a lot of great use of light, and a, a lot of like mystery built around sound design. Uh, when you talked about, you know, your favorite part is the fact that you don't he- you don't see anything. You just hear things. Yeah, that is huge. Until, of course, the giant spectacle, which is the finale of the movie. Yeah. But, uh, the vast majority of the movie is very subtle about what it does. And when you do see they, it, it's done in such a way that it builds to a point when you do see the trolls, it is impactful. And it works in the CGI is spot on. Amazing. Dustin, what do you think of the use of CGI in Troll Hunter?
4: Uh, I really, I really dig it. I think it was smart. Um, If I remember correctly, I think the, I think the director was a VFX guy or he was really, really familiar with, with the process, which I think helped him be able to hide the seams a little bit. And he knew how to shoot things so that they'd be believable Um, Knew how to get his, you know, HDR data and his tracking points and stuff like that out in the field. So everything could be as good as it could possibly be. Um, And it's a movie like I was just talking about with Shin Godzilla, where because it's found footage, the camera does things that a camera can do. And you that. Even though it probably makes it more difficult on the effects artists, it really helps sell it for the audience that it's just. Yeah. You know, the the way the camera is the way it looks, you know, uh, it looks at things, the the focal length and and all that stuff goes into really marrying that all together. Um, You know, the scene where you're talking about where he puts on his armor and he fights the troll um, that's under the bridge. um, That whole scene is shot really, really wide. You know, they don't want to get close to what's going on. So it's kind of an unbroken take from really far away. Mm -hmm. And um, that helps, you know, hide anything that would maybe look too goofy or too fake they did it really really intelligently
3: yeah and and surprisingly for such a long take the cgi doesn't fall apart it is it is rendered so well this troll that this one-armed troll that's made out of half rock it's got trees kind of growing out saplings growing out of its back and moss and all this stuff um yeah like glenn said there's some to when the, when the uh, troll decides to beat the troll hunter down in his uh, makeshift armor suit. <laughs> yeah. It does, it does look like, you know, a doll that's just been hit and, you know, falls down, but um, it looks legit. Like nothing jumps out about it. And that's yeah. the, the, the real strong uh, part of this movie is that, it is an immersive world. And for something so ridiculous like Troll Hunter, it, it it's really it, it's really amazing to see them be able to pull all of these ridiculous concepts together and make you forget that you're watching a complete fantasy. Yeah. Much well, like I, the characters in the movie can't believe what they're seeing.
5: Yeah. And and, and interesting thing about this is. A lot of the dialogue is improv. That's shocking. In an interview, um, the director, um, he said that uh, when they asked about how he handled, you know, the actors and stuff like that, how he was doing it. And it was he he said they were allowed to say anything they wanted as long as he didn't say what I had written in the script. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's like I guess the script was kind of like a, this is what's happening. Now you react to it. So, I mean, and, and apparently a lot of cast is they're uh, they're actually uh, comedians, mm-hmm. which would then explain how they could do, you know, some of the the improv because that's, you know, typically comedians tend to do improv quite well.
3: Yeah. it Well, that explains a lot to some of the chemistry that's in the movie, too, because all of the characters uh, feel real and feel like they're legitimate friends. The Troll Hunter feels like this very stoic man who's been doing this job for a very very long time hunting and controlling these trolls he's
5: actually he's actually that's uh otto Jespersen is like a like a well-known comedian in in norway
3: that's funny because he is the most straight-faced dude yeah. in this movie yep that's awesome that i think the only problematic part to this movie is the setup is the first, for me at least, is the first section leading up to the first troll encounter. it It feels like the movie it, it, now that you say that it was improved, it feels kind of that way. we We linger on the camera crew too much, and they aren't necessarily the most charismatic crew yeah. when the movie starts. And it's if you can slug your way through that opening section, the rest of the movie is just lights out. Mark, you haven't had a chance to talk about this. Let's talk Troll Hunter. What are your thoughts?
6: It surprised the hell out of me. I wasn't quite sure what to, you know, what type of film it was going into it. And I'm not a huge phone footage, I'm usually a bit tough on, but this one I loved. I, I loved it a lot. I agree. In the beginning, it's got a kind of a slow start, wasn't sure to make of it until the troll hunter shows up. And then from like there on, I am so sold into this film and just into it you know uh the world they do build is is fascinating you're 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 pulled in you at times you forget it's found footage (laughs) you know you're just you're just watching it's like you're there there's some fantastic uh troll designs i loved all based off of i guess actual trolls you know uh, uh types of trolls and uh, I, I dug that it, yeah. The CGI looked great, and there's particularly uh, I don't remember all the dialogue with it. It's subtitled, I, I usually watch it with subtitles, no dubs or anything. But there's a scene where some Polish guys show up, <laughs> it's freaking hilarious! Yeah, it's, it's like, great. It's, it's like you know, they're kind of going along, and you're like, This film's entertaining, and entertaining, and all of a sudden, these Polish guys show up at a event, and that whole sequence is just. Frick, it! That had me rolling so much, and I yeah, I just I dug it. Has such a charm to it uh, because it's working. It, it's what we've talked about bef- before earlier in this episode and then even on other podcasts. Uh, the film works within its boundaries. It it knows what it has to work with and it it stays within there and it does some creative things rather trying to do more than what they're actually capable of. I think they, it sticks pretty much in its boundaries for, for most of the film Uh, you know, and it doesn't, doesn't try to do more. It it does just enough and it's just the right amount. And yeah, I, 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 it really endeared me. I have watched troll Hunter a number of times and it's just, it's a great film.
3: Yeah. This is the only, the second time I've ever watched troll Hunter
6: mm mm-hmm.
3: is watching it for this episode today, and I'm glad I revisited it because I remember being off put the first time I watched it because I think at the time we were so inundated with found footage films. That I was like, oh, not another one. And then the first 15 or 20 minutes or so of this movie <laughs> is rather clunky. Yeah, but I always remember the troll sex. Uh, sex sexons. <laughs> no, the troll. I always remember the uh, the troll sections. I was
5: gonna say you saw the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, I saw,
3: I saw the porno version of Troll Hunter, which is Poon Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and if Scott Davis were here, he would tell me how there are five Poon Hunters. Probably, yeah.
1: Okay
4: so
3: but but anyways um yeah this this movie is an absolute must-see and i'm sure most of, we're we're speaking to the choir here mm-hmm. i don't I, I really don't know anyone <laughs> horror fan or just normal square
6: that hasn't seen it's just yeah. my wife my wife dug it a lot there's we have various tastes and films my wife and i very differing but usually uh if i tell her hey you're gonna enjoy this film she'll sit down and watch it with me and yeah she dug troll hunter as well cool um
3: dustin anything else to add before we wrap up troll hunter
4: uh no i don't think i think the only thing i'd say is literally the only part of the movie i don't like is the very end because it Mm -hmm. kind of ends like every other found footage movie um but no i think it's really cool i kind of wish that there was more like it not Like clones of it or anything like that, but that people would use the medium of found footage to explore different weirder stuff. I agree. I
3: totally agree. What was, Mark, what was the movie we had talked about a few episodes back where, oh, no, that's right. You weren't on this episode. We we had talked uh, a few episodes back uh, about Cecil B. Demented Mm -hmm. and how if that movie were to ever be remade, found footage would be the right avenue for that
4: that so i can see that 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 makes sense to me
3: yeah absolutely i think there if we could get beyond the fact that found uh, not every found footage movie needs to be the blair witch mm-hmm. we, we would be in a better place <laughs> that's the problem is that people saw one movie and thought this is the this is the benchmark we all have to make a movie that's, you know, structured like this. And I agree with you. The ending to Troll Hunter is a little underwhelming. They could have. It, it was so grand. They could have ended it with they got the footage and they made this movie.
5: Yeah. Well, then it wouldn't be found footage. It'd be a documentary. But then, Glenn, it, it calls <laughs> it. The like, why would we even
3: know this footage exists? Because the government would have taken the footage anyway and it mm-hmm. would have been confiscated and eliminated. So how are we seeing this footage?
5: Wikileaks
6: <laughs> <laughs> it, it it actually kind of falls in line. It was don't get me wrong, it wasn't phenomenal film, but recently a film came out. I didn't even know it existed. I went to see it for the hell of it. It was called Phoenix Forgotten. It's a found footage film. They apparently only did ads for it in like l a, and that was it. but they did a wide release. I don't know how our theater got it because we usually don't get stuff like that. But it's a found <laughs> footage film about a woman uh, investigating the disappearance of her brother after there were strange lights witnessed over Phoenix and he, her brother and his friends went to investigate it and they were never found again. And they went v- missing in the desert. And so she, here she is many years later trying to investigate what happened to him. And most of it is more shot like a documentary mm-hmm. until like the last act where we get the lost, where they find the, the, the missing tape, of the footage that actually happened that night, which involved alien abduction, and in Burning Man, right? They just they got lost in Burning. They Man. got lost in <laughs> Burning Man. No, though no, that would have been interesting. Uh, and I liked it. I liked how it was set up. I kind of liked that hybrid more for found footage to where it's part documentary, part you know, kind of behind the scenes or, or, or footage film. I, that works for me a lot more than completely found footage usually. Uh, because, you know, I'll get thrown out of a film the minute that goes, shoot it, shoot everything. We've got to capture everything. Don't tell yeah. me, don't tell me that, please.
4: Uh, Lake Mungo, right? Lake Mungo was like that. I really dig that one. It's like that where it's mostly documentary, but then they find footage and then you see what really happened. And um, it's chilling. Like, even when I think about it, that movie gives me goosebumps.
3: Yeah, there's there's a number of movies, I think, that break that mold that kind of go along that wrote like um, the Poughkeepsie tapes mm-hmm. is one that I really, really love.
4: Did oh, that ever get released?
3: Not officially. Okay. Not officially. I don't, And I still to this day don't know why. Um, I wanted to- it's on YouTube for free. Okay. I believe. And I want to say it was it was bootlegged out there. And then the filmmakers are like, yeah, fuck it. It's never getting released. So <laughs> why not? Because well, they went on to make Quarantine. In a bunch mm-hmm. of other movies, so um and there was also uh was it uh behind the mask, yeah fall of uh Leslie Vernon or the the rise of Leslie Vernon, or whatever the fuck yeah, it the, the rise movie. of Leslie Vernon that's another one that i I really enjoyed where it was found it was not it was sort of a found footage, but it was more of a documentary, and then all of a sudden, at the end, it becomes a slasher movie. I loved that movie, so folks we had. A a, a cheesy alligator movie. We had a strange stop-motion animation hybrid movie with, uh, you know, stop-motion serpents in Shaft. And we had a (laughs) CGI fest. Now, of course, as always, I'm going to bring you the shit movie of the night. (laughs) But it's something that I, I love. I've loved since the first time I saw it. Slowly but surely, folks, you're going to get into the deepest, darkest recesses of my mind <laughs> on this podcast and you've you've learned through the process of listening to my show that um I love shitty dummies i i love <laughs> i i I love hokey kung fu movies i also really really, really love shitty shark movies and the movie i'm gonna bring tonight (laughs) is shark attack 3 megalodon that was made in 2002 it survived the ice age and it's been living in darkness for 60 million years
1: nothing has ever disturbed its perfect peace until now
0: this shark isn't just some
1: species. It can grow in excess of 75 feet long. It's supposed to be extinct. You're telling me one of these things is swimming off my coast? People pay a lot of money to come down here. They expect to use everything,
0: including the beaches. We've got a 60-foot shark swimming off our coast that's not going to go away.
6: We've got a shark heading for the shore. Get everyone out of the water now. Something was dangerous down there, and you let them dive anyway. Go tell your
3: story. Who would believe you? A disgruntled employee with stolen confidential documents? We know the mag's
6: attracted to the cable.
0: If that cable goes to full power, there is no
3: telling how many of these we're gonna have on our
6: hands. We can't let that system go online. Full throttle now!
1: Forty four torpedo. It'll to
2: blow a hole clear to the hull of a battleship.
3: Now, uh, this movie is an absolute Jaws clone made. It it looks like it was it had a legitimate budget. It was a South African production. It looks like it's a legitimate budget until you realize every time a shark comes on screen, it's stock footage. Yeah. (laughs) And and almost any time you look anywhere other than inside the boat, it's stock footage. And the stock footage, though, is used in such a way that for a 2002 movie, it's actually quite ingenious. They actually manipulate the stock footage to make it look like people are getting swallowed whole by stock footage. So there are sequences, and there's no point in me telling you what the plot of Shark Attack 3 Megalodon is because it's Jaws it's a It's a coastal town that's getting terrorized by humongous shark, and uh, a scientist, this really buxom babe, comes out to help out this uh, coast guard, who obviously just you know wants to tag every woman that's in sight, which is um,
6: hilarious considering who he's he is.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, he's gay. <laughs> In real life, so this this woman teams up with him and they attempt to take out what she deems is the megalodon, but they find out it's just a baby, and then there's a bigger megalodon out there, who is of course stock footage, and (laughs) there's amazing sequences where the the megalodon bumps into boats, people fall off the boat. And jump into a a stock uh, a stock footage shark mouth. It, the comp work is to this day. When you see that shot of the asshole character in this movie jump from a boat and land right into a stock footage shark's mouth, you might as well just end it all because <laughs> you 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 can die happy. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my whole entire life, and <laughs> it also has a lot of really shitty 2002. Asylum-level shark CGI. All of this stuff, I'm sure you're all going, oh, man, this sounds like fucking garbage. And it is. It is fucking garbage. (laughs) But it's done in such a, a goofy way that I absolutely adore this movie. And I would be an idiot not to bring up the real claim to fame of this movie. Everyone should know this, but in case you aren't aware, it has one of the greatest lines of dialogue ever committed to celluloid. And it, about halfway through once, uh, you know, they think that they have captured and killed the Megalodon and they're, you know, they've had a long day of running about in, in a boat that doesn't really move, but the, the footage that surrounds them looks like they're moving, but they're really not moving. And, and, uh, The lead character and the buxom babe um, are sitting out by their truck at night. We'll meet back here at 8 a.m. Don't be late.
1: I'm exhausted.
6: Yeah, me too. But, you know, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy?
3: out of fucking nowhere. We're talking a movie that is straight is faced, straight is laced that you've ever seen in your entire life. Then all of a sudden this dude drops like, eat your pussy bomb out of nowhere. And from that point on, this becomes your favorite movie of all time. Um, I love this flick. Mark, what do you think of Shark Attack 3 Megalodon?
6: It's everything you said. Uh, and the fact that John Berylman <laughs> sorry i just it's it's great it's funny that he goes on to do captain jack harkness and all that and i, I love seeing films like this to where you know before some of these stars become uh, bigger names what they've done and yeah it's just it's it is ridiculous it's it, there there was a series of giant shark films at the time i think that this came out that uh, also were similar to Megalodon and even had Megalodon in the title. Yeah. Uh, there, there was some other ones as well. And I watched and all of them are hokey, but this they're one, terrible. There they are, there, there, are nothing really good. You know, one about it trapped in ice and it gets thawed and it, it's, they're all ridiculous and, and, you know, jaws type wannabes uh, but yeah, this one, it's, it's fun. It, it's, it's bad fun. It's you just sit back and, and enjoy the, enjoy the awfulness of it uh, because yeah, especially after that line, you just, once that line gets dropped, you're like, okay. And you just sit back and you just let the film just roll over your screen while you, <laughs> while you drink, of uh, you know, what your favorite beverage is. and, and escape for a while and into the ridiculousness of this film yeah it's it is literally one of my gold standard shit
3: movies that i will put on for people that want to just have a good time because it is just ridiculous from that point on they eat your pussy bomb the the climax of this movie has to be seen to be to believe it's <laughs> it is literally in innovation, in using stock footage and shitty comp work. It is just fucking flooring. Dustin, have you seen this flick?
4: Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I want to write an essay that's in defense of Shark Attack 3's special effects, because I would rather watch a guy... Ride a jet ski into the mouth of a stock footed shark, <laughs> then that which which happens in the movie. Yeah. Then then watch a bad CGI shark grab a bad CGI guy and shake him around like they're the, you know the, it's not man I don't I guess it they technically are practical effects in the movie. <laughs> but, but I mean not all of them but you know, a lot of like, like you're talking about like like the whole raft of people that get eaten. And it's really charming. Like it's, 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 I don't, I'm having trouble finding the words, but I would rather look at that than look at bad CGI. I would rather watch, like you said, it's sort of ingenious how they figured out how to mix the stock footage with the footage they shot. And um, not all of it even looks bad. Some of it looks pretty legit. You know, what? there's a couple times when the shark comes up out of the water, you know, basically it's mouth just comes up around something. Yeah. And it does you off guard. Like you, you're not expecting it. And I don't know. I've always dug that. And it, it makes that movie makes a lot of lists of worst special effects ever. And I think what they really mean is most ridiculous because the stuff that happens with the effects is absolutely ridiculously insane, but I don't know. They don't look that bad to me. I kind of dig the way they look. And they're kind of like you said, they're, they are
3: kind of like jump scares almost like there's this sequence where they thought, you know, they had killed the shark and uh, the Coast Guard buddy comes up on his boat next to the scientist's boat. It's like, hey, man, come on, get us off of here. The boat's sinking and his Coast Guard buddy's waving. And all of a sudden, that really famous stock footage shot of a shark that comes up out of the water. You once you see that shot, you know you've seen that shot before, but you've never seen it like this because the shark comes up and literally swallows the boat whole and it looks shitty and legit all at the same time. It is, it seriously is mind blowing. Glenn, what do you think of Shark
5: Attack 3? You know, people talk about the bad special effects and they talk about the, the bad lines and the, the, the pussy one, which. I just love the fact that it's delivered by John Barrowman. Yeah, who is—he uh, puts the G A Y in gay. So, um, and no one talks about poor Chuck. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck <laughs> being Chuck being the shark that was in the original uh stock footage who's been in therapy for years because of this movie because it's just ruined his life um, knowing that you know it's it's and that, that, I don't mean Chuck is in the Chuck in the movie. The Chuck is the actual name of the shark that was used in the stock footage and he's just embarrassed that he's he's associated with this. I mean he gets harassed all the time by the other sharks and even the Barracuda made fun of him. So <laughs> the Barracuda. Um, the Barracuda I mean <laughs> that's pretty bad. So no this one uh, I haven't seen this one in a long time. I, I actually revisited it probably seven or eight years ago. Um, at least that long. Uh, when uh, I was watching Torchwood, because I said, oh, I wonder what else John Barrowman's done. And then I found this. I'm like, I seem to remember this one. And I watched it again. I'm like, yeah, it, it, that was what I remembered. Um <laughs> And it's it's say, one thing that they, they do this with, where they take, uh, this is a common theme with a lot of prehistoric stuff. They take something that was prehistoric and they say, you know, like Megalodon, you know, was, you know, big, but they're like, we're going to make it like, you know, 30 times bigger than it actually was. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and it's a, it's a common theme. I mean, like in, in the Jurassic park movies, uh, Velociraptors were never like seven feet tall. Velociraptors were like tiny. You know they were like you know a foot and a half, two feet tall, if I remember correctly. And then right, this, they were like this, birds almost, they were yeah, like turkey size, yeah. Um, and it's this thing that they love to do, they love to take these things and like, well, you know, yeah, they were big, but you know, is is a, is an 80-foot-long shark really scary? And I'm like, fuck yes, it is. <laughs> a regular shark is scary, so an 80-foot-long shark or a hundred-foot-long shark is pretty damn scary. But they're like, Ah, eh, but what if it was a thousand feet long? You know, let's, let's make it ridiculous. Let's make it so it can just swallow boats whole. <laughs> you know, and you know, and it's like I'm surprised it just didn't name a guy in here Jonah. And yeah, just oh man, just yep.
3: <laughs> this is a kind of movie that I, I think Astro Zombies. Next time you have a shitty movie party where you try to find the worst movie you can have and have fun too. Oh with yeah. Your buds, this should be on the list. 100%. It is literally escapism at its best. It, you toss it on, turn the brain off and just enjoy the really awful dialogue which I believe attempted to try and be funny. I don't think it was play it's played serious at times. But I really do think there's intentional humor to be found in this film. But the special effects just are mind-blowing. And, and the funny thing is, the the CGI stuff that's in this movie is reminiscent of a lot of the stuff like Markets said, there was another movie called Megalodon that came out that was entirely CGI. All of this stuff like like the uh, giant shark versus uh, giant octopus and stuff like that, where a shark comes up and swallows a, a Boeing 747 out of the, the sky or yeah. try, attempts to eat the Golden Gate Bridge and all this other shit. Yeah. Um, that's if if they would have taken the shitty stock footage sharks from Shark Attack 3 and put those into those movies, those movies would be legendary, legendary. I want to say of shitty huge shark movies shark attack three is the king of them all it just it's so stupid it's so fucking stupid but i love it i love it to fucking death you guys gotta go see this thing any anyone else want to add anything about shark attack three before we wrap this episode up boys
6: i think you covered it
3: (laughs) nope (laughs) nope (laughs) the enthusiasm is palatable folks So anyways, so thanks for listening. As we said before, we're going to take a week off. And when we come back, you're going to get, I think, in one week, two episodes. We're going to finish up not only our John Waters series with a dirty shame. We're also going to be bringing you the witchcraft episode we've been threatening we were going to do for three fucking years now. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? (laughs) it's it's off the charts you guys i i have so many listeners and new listeners come to me and tell me derek i got into your show because of the witchcraft episodes i got into your show because i first ran across the witchcraft mega cut and while i'm very thankful that you guys found my show and you enjoyed it it kills me that it was the witchcraft episode <laughs> that we did that to ourselves, uh, and that you love it. So, you're going to finally get more witchcraft, and it's going to be a big one. We're not only bringing Brian Kirst back into the fold, we also have Dustin Hubbard, who is the biggest witchcraft super fan I've ever seen or talked to in my entire life. It is mind-blowing to me that this dude has watched these new movies at least three or four times a piece already since they've come out last month. I think the guy is psychologically damaged in some way, <laughs> which is which is perfect for my show. So look forward to that, folks. And uh, this is the portion of the show where my guests shamelessly show the fuck out of you, Mr. Glenn Bittner. You will start. Shill. Uh,
5: you can find me on YouTube with the BBB Bunker and Guy in a Bunker Productions. You can find me at bunker.com. You can find me on my other podcasts that I do on gaming uh, on GNcast.com, The Adventure Party, or just follow me on Twitter at Guy in Bunker.
6: Mark the Movie Man. <laughs> you can find most of my stuff at specialmarkproductions.com find me on twitter at specialmarkpro you can find me every thursday on we live entertainment's youtube channel doing horror thursdays segment as well as occasionally i do written work there for galactic netcast there's galactic radio where i do the movie man's movie minute plus i have my own podcast the spoiler room which uh derek has been on as well as glenn and uh yeah that's where you can find most
4: of my stuff at
3: and last but not least mr dustin mills shill. Everything you got, give it your all.
4: Uh, I'm making and working on like a bajillion different projects. And uh, if you want to check out my stuff, um, you can get copies. I just uh, did an exclusive deal with um, Grindhouse Video out of Tampa. They're, they're it, Except for some stock that's selling off and some stuff that's distributed by other companies. Um, that'll be the exclusive place to get physical copies of my movies. They have a great um, online store and they, they have a Dustin Mills section. So if you, if you want to grab some of my movies, that's the place to go.
3: Cool. I recommend you guys buy Apple Cart. Yes. Lots of copies of Apple Cart and give it to all your friends, especially your grandmother. Your grandmother yes. will love Apple Cart. <laughs> I, I love that movie. So I do, too. I've I, I gave you many, many close hugs and tears about AppleCart last time I saw you, Dusted. So, <laughs> I will shill the fuck out of that movie. And my next question is, when am I gonna see Apple Cart 2, damn it?
4: You know what? It's almost happened a few times, and then people have like jumped ship on me. And by people I don't mean my actors. All of my actors from the first movie have every time I've brought it up will come back, but um producers and money people and and all that have have uh have abandoned me at the 11th hour a couple times so was um, there not
3: em- enough masturbation in the script
4: yeah I don't know maybe maybe I should you know double up on that and uh yeah I've actually not I'm actually not entirely sure why I I hope it happens one day I have a lot of ideas I have it all outlined and tons of new stories and places to go with it but yeah uh, We are doing Easter casket too. So whoa! Yes! Bombs dropped. Whoa, talk about this. If I (laughs) if I have my druthers, it will release for free online uh Easter 2018. Oh awesome, dude. That's great news. Yeah, I'm excited about
3: it. Cool. Well, folks, thank you for listening. And we will see you with some finger power witchery bullshit next episode. (laughs) So take care. You can find Astro
1: Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please. Help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies.